Well, it's lovely to be seen, <laughs> but it's also lovely to be back in the undisclosed location and to see the, the crew here as well. So thanks for having me. <laughs> um, you know, we, in conversation, you often hear this question, and it's one of those hypothetical, impossible questions to answer, like, uh, what would be your last meal uh, before you left, the, left this earth? Or another popular one is, what would be your last words of wisdom before you died? <laughs> Being asked in a strange sense, it seems almost difficult to answer. But there's, there's one that stood out to me, and I, I want to read it to you. Uh, the American businessman and the founder of the Hilton Hotel chain, Conrad Hilton, apparently said this as his last words on his deathbed. Leave the shower curtain on the inside of the tub. <laughs> it, it's helpful, but I don't know necessarily it's inspired. Maybe you might think differently. <laughs> but our passage this morning, it's uh, from what is universally recognized as Paul's last letter ever. And that's quite something, especially when Paul wrote it knowing that that was going to be his last letter ever. And that kind of raises the stakes of its content, but it also similarly, for us, it raises the question for us, what would be the sum of our advice, our wisdom that we want to pass on to the preceding generation? Well, as you think about that, I'm going to turn now to Scripture, and we're going to read our passage, which is Paul's final letter to Timothy. And it's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, reading verses 14 to 17. Let's read. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. The content of this passage sees an aged Paul facing an inevitable execution, sitting in chains in Rome for the very last time. And in the time, the short time that he has remaining, he chooses to write a final letter. A letter of encouragement, a letter of exhortation. A father's last opportunity to pass on words of wisdom that will reinforce the legacy that's being handed on, handed on to a son. In this case, it's Timothy. Not, not in any sense a blood relative, more of a, a, a protege, a, an apprentice charged with carrying on the work that Paul had committed his whole life to. And it's bequeathed to him, and it's also bequeathed to us. Making Christ known. Certainly Paul has much to say through the breadth of this letter. But it hangs together on these few verses that we've just read. He warns of the end times when people begin to drift away and fall from listening, from listening to the truth. He takes time to exhort Timothy to remain faithful to the call in his life and all that, he, that which he taught him. 
but it's all undergirded by a life embedded in the Scriptures. And here it is, the linchpin of Paul and Timothy's life, a life grounded in the Word of God. In our series that we're following growing up, I want to present to you this morning the essential need for each and every one of us to remain as Timothy or to become as Timothy and become a people whose life and witness are grounded on the word of truth, on Scripture itself. Hence the title this morning, Your Word is a Light to My Feet. The Bible is certainly unique. It's many things and more, and I could describe it in a thousand different ways, but there's one illustration, one way I would like to describe it, and that is it's a lens by which we are able to rightly perceive God. The wonder of the Bible is that it outlines the nature and the character of God. I wonder if any of you remember the old TV series, This Is Your Life. <laughs> well, in this sense, the little black book becomes the, little, the big red book. In that TV series, the, the TV presenter would present uh, a celebrity with a series of memories, stories, reminiscences, historical moments, characters, people, places, and events that have happened through the course of their life up until that moment in the show. And at the, moment, at the end of the show, they would present them with a big red book and say, this is your life. <laughs> Well, I want to present this book to you this morning and say, this is your God. If we are in any way seriously about knowing or attracted to knowing our Heavenly Father, appreciating our gracious Savior, understanding our wonderful Counselor, then we must make it our business to become people of the book. But let me make one thing clear as we approach this and Nobody, in a sense, said it any better than W. Tozer. Tozer was a, an old uh, godly preacher from years back, uh, a teacher, a prophet in his day, and even considered so still today. And he was a man who intimately knew Jesus. And the funny thing, well, the interesting thing about Tozer as well is that he literally taught himself how to read from a young age, and his primary text was the Bible itself. But he said this, though. The Bible is a means to an end, not an end in itself. What I want to say, first of all, is that we don't covet the pages of the Bible. We don't covet the printed text. We don't covet the version that's written in. We covet the one that it bears witness to. And with that, and just as Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. So if we want to grow up in the, in the faith, if we want to grow up well, we cannot avoid the necessity of knowing the contents of this book. And not just knowing it, but embracing it, living it, eating it, digesting it, becoming part of our story. And to borrow the words from a popular children's story, when it comes to the Bible, we can't go over it. We can't go under it. <laughs> we can't go around it. <laughs> we have to go... Through it. Yes, thanks, Tammy. <laughs> so let me press you this morning, my first point. The Bible is essential for the Christian life. You know, one of the most obvious influences in how we grow up 
is the environment that we grew up in. I come from a relatively large family with uh, extended cousins and aunts and uncles. And part of that was the shared stories that uh, we inherited, the shared stories that surround us, the shared stories that knit us together, the, the stories, the legends, even some of the myths <laughs> that surround some of the family members in my family. They all had an influencing factor in how the following generation would perceive life, look at life and grow up. And I remember from a young age, I remember one of my favorite things was when my dad would come home uh, on a Friday night <laughs> after a night at the Bradley's Bar in Tallcross in Glasgow. <laughs> he'd sit down in his chair and he'd tell his stories. Stories about himself, about his brothers and his sisters, or aunts and uncles. He'd really events that had happened to him when he was a child, the place he'd been, the things he'd done every Friday night, and we were mesmerized by it. We were mesmerized by this, and it's the same when we approach Scripture. With that same essential desire to know our Heavenly Father. You know, when we make a commitment to follow Jesus, we are born again in this even greater, larger family the family of God, the, the family of faith. And it has its own unique collection of stories, letters, pages of wisdom, revelations from our Heavenly Father that will help us to grow up well. When we open the Bible, it's an invitation to come and sit on our Heavenly Father's lap and listen as we read. He literally speaks to us as we read and understand the stories and does, I'm trying to think of the words. Um, eat, literally, the stories that we read in the Bible. God is unfolding to us a self-revelation of himself. We could never know him, but unless that we sat down with him and began to unfold everything that he wants to tell us in this wonderful book. As David says in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making uh, wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Let's be reminded again of what Paul says to Timothy in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. There's no escaping the value of a lifetime growing up in the Scriptures. Having a biblical worldview shows up a biblical faith. But even more so when we are surrounded by mothers and fathers in the faith who share that same conviction. These people, whoever they might be, they, they tend to exhibit a, a unique fortitude, a resilience, a wisdom, a, a quiet confidence in what might just happen next. They seem able to remain standing or at least certainly to recover when the storm of, storms of life come against them. And that's because they have a faith that's been rooted in the Word of God, the testimony of God, and there's nothing more sure than that. If you aren't already, I would encourage you this morning to surround yourselves with mentors, with fathers and mothers in the faith who exhibit that lifestyle that's been steered by the Word of God. 
And when you see that which is written in the text evidenced in the lives of people around you, it can only be an encouragement in the faith. The next point I, I want to uh, press home is this. Reading reinforces relationship. I remember many years ago, a long distance past, when I, I used to work for the Department of National Mission. And uh, every year we had this uh, national conference at the Creef Hydro. Very nice. <laughs> but one of the wonderful things about it was that every year there was a guest uh, preacher, teacher who came and who would deliver the teaching sessions to the whole conference. But there was one exceptional year, and it was a year that the Reverend Willie Black from the Black Isle came. <laughs> I'd never heard of him before, but I'll never forget him. This old man, this old Reverend, he came and he opened up the scriptures to us, and I tell you, it was like manna. He knew his Bible, but it only served to illuminate how well he knew his Savior. We didn't want him to stop talking. We could have sat there the whole week and forgotten everything else, but the conference was about, we just wanted to hear more and more from this old man who knew Jesus so well. <laughs> I tell you, he literally followed Jesus everywhere he went. He, fought, he was with Jesus on the Damascus Road. <laughs> he was almost like John the Apostle, the one whom Jesus loved. He was there at every significant and important event throughout the course of the Bible. He was even there when Moses uh, crossed the Red Sea. He was there lying on the floor with John the Apostle when Jesus appeared to him in all his glory and his resurrected might. He was lying as a dead man. You could tell it because he knew Jesus so well. You know, the other startling thing about this old minister was that despite the wide difference uh, theological belief that existed among the staff, everybody was spellbound and mesmerized by this old man. And I learned something in that. That intimately knowing Jesus makes you a very attractive witness for Jesus. And what you have to say when you know Jesus has an authority and an authenticity to it that people will want to hear more of. Next point I want to press home is that don't neglect homeschooling. <laughs> I'm conscious as I even say that title, a lot of you will be like, oh, not again, we've had enough of homeschooling. We're all relieved that we can now hand our children back to the school teachers from 9 till roughly 3.15. But, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Christian parent, there's one homeschooling task that you can't neglect. And that is raising your children in the Word of God. Paul acknowledges, but he also veils to a degree his contribution to Timothy's uh, growth in faith. But he's very explicit about recognizing his grandmother and his mother. He says in chapter 1 and verse 5 of uh, 2 Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your, sorry, your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. And this ties in directly what he again repeats in chapter 3 and verse uh, 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's a sobering reminder to all of us that are Christian parents. And I also speak from experience and also somewhat of a confession 
that it, how easy it is to neglect that responsibility. We do have a fantastic team here at Catalyst, uh, Catalyst Kids, led by the wonderful Sarah. But the thing is, Sarah can't be there when your kids come home from school after some incident at lunchtime. Sarah can't be there when there's sibling rivalry in the house. Sarah can't be there to draw the parallels between what's happening in their lives and in the saints of the scripture. But we can. As scripture says again and speaks for itself, train a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they'll not easily turn from it. And that leads to my last point. I was, in fact, I should also point out as well, given no, due credit to my own mum. <laughs> I'm thankful that when we were kids, my mum, she took us to church when we were kids. But she also ensured that we had a children's Bible that we really grew up with. I have to admit, I didn't take it, uh, appreciate it for its full extent when I was younger, but I still read it. And in reading it, it left uh, an, a permanent mark on my conscience. And it would remain there until a time when God would call him to myself. And that leads me to my last point this morning. The testimony of the past is a testimony for our present. I was quite chuffed with that title as a, a sub-point, but I have to put my hand up. It's really a summary of what Paul says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He writes... For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. I remember in my late teens, I suffered a moment of crisis in my life that gave me cause to seriously consider the course of my life and where I was heading, even ultimately. And it could do so easy that have led me down a spiral of hopelessness. But in that moment, God brought something to mind. It was a sense of something that I thought I had read, but was only just wishful thinking on my part. It did have a sense of authority and authenticity to it, but I just needed to be sure. I needed to find out. And this is what it was. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. I don't know where it came from. Maybe I had read it as a child, but somewhere in my subconscious, that verse had suddenly come to life. It's from Hebrews 12, verse 6. I know it doesn't sound like the most uh, uplifting <laughs> or encouraging of verses, but it was the very thing that I needed to hear in that moment. And in that very same moment, it illustrated what Paul then goes on to say in verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here at the age of 18, so quite a long time ago now, <laughs> I was suddenly confronted by my own frailty and a sense of conviction over the choices and the decisions that I'd made in life up until that point. I had literally hit rock bottom. And again, the, the, the old stories and illustrations and the parables of Jesus suddenly came to light. I knew what it was 
to be, feel like a prodigal son sitting in a pig sty, <laughs> yearning to eat pig food. I suddenly knew how it felt. But again, it was that word, that verse from Scripture, the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his child. In a single verse, I had been taught something by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. That I was to change my way of thinking. I was to consider myself now as a child of God. Yes, he was disciplining me. He was rebuking me. He was correcting my thinking and my understanding. I was now to consider myself a child of God. He was actively pursuing me to the point of seemingly injuring me so that I might turn to him and be saved. And I did. <laughs> I read a fantastic quote uh, the other day that reads this. When believers are willing to place their lives on a collision course with God's word, then transformation can occur. This may be an invitation to you today, if you haven't done so earlier, and that is to take God at his word. You know, I could spend the whole the rest of this morning uh, reading verse after verse after verse, just confirming what I'm trying to tell you this morning. I've just got a couple here. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans verse 10, sorry, chapter 10, verse 13. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but should be saved. John 3, 16. This may be your day. This may be the day when God is calling you to come home to lay down your regrets, to lay down your disappointments and surrender your destiny to him. It's an invitation to accept his invitation to be adopted into his family and to become a child of God. I'm just going to take an opportunity to pray just now and if you feel this is for you and this is your day to come home, then pray with me just now. Father, you are a good father. Lord, the world and everything else around us may tell us all sorts of different things and different voices, but Lord, from you comes truth. And Lord, you love us and you desire us to be with you. And Lord, you call us into your kingdom to come, to lay down everything else, Lord, and to come and to put our faith in Jesus, Lord. And right now, Lord, I want to do that. Lord, would you adopt me into your family? Would you adopt me as your child? Because I believe what Jesus did, he did it for me. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your kindness and how you draw me into your arms. Lord, I come. Amen. There will be an opportunity to maybe press the button or put your thumbs up uh, online and let us know that you've done that. But to close, let me just say this. Jesus changed the direction of my life through his word. He immediately sent my life on the right keel. It served to establish the boundaries of this new land that I find myself in. A land filled with grace and the directions of God. I find myself guided by the counselor now. He helps me to read and to understand where God is calling me and what to do. 
The tangible signposts of Scripture enabled me to map out and discover and revisit things I, I never realized or I didn't know about my Heavenly Father before. And so the Holy Spirit continues to guide me, minister to me again and again, bringing me back into the pages of Scripture, highlighting principles, attitudes, acts of righteousness that I should emulate as a response to the grace of God in my own life. You find that when you read Scripture, the volume of the saints that have gone before us, we find in these pages companions, encouragers, the great cloud of witnesses. And we find ourselves so many times where somebody seems so remote, we are literally walking in the, the shoes, or maybe it was more sandals, or maybe it was just bare feet of Moses, <laughs> of Jacob, of Joseph. And despite the, the things and the, the, the hardships they experience, they always point us towards the inevitable rescue of our Savior. They point me towards hope. They point me towards rescue. They point me towards faith and courage to do what I in my own wisdom and strength could never do. Let's make it our business. Let's make it our ambition to become a people of the Word. Thank you. I'll hand you back over to Emma.